0: Welcome to Voices from the Sky, a companion podcast to Sky Island Journal, an independent international literary journal where we discover and publish the finest poetry, flash fiction, and creative nonfiction from around the world. Always free to access, we publish accomplished authors side by side with emerging voices for over 115,000 readers in 145 different countries. My name is Jeff Sommerfeld, co-founder and co-editor-in-chief of Sky Island Journal, and I'm so thankful that you decided to join us here at Voices from the Sky, a Sky Island podcast production where we delve deep into some of our favorite pieces since our journal's inception in 2017, and we go inside the minds and hearts of their creators as they help us explore their literary works more fully. Just this past Saturday, we published Issue 22, of Sky Island Journal, and the next three episodes are special features of brand new works from that issue. You're going to get a sampling of the world-class poetry, flash fiction, and creative nonfiction included in issue 22, and hear from a few of the writers and poets themselves. First up, I'm honored to introduce you to Shannon Huffman Polson. If you're not familiar with her already, you need to go to her website which is linked in the show notes, and learn about the transformative work she's doing to inspire individuals and teams all over the world. Shannon took time out of her extraordinarily busy schedule to speak with me recently about her poem, After the Bombs Fall. Before we get into the poem itself and some of its origins, here's a brief bio for Shannon. Shannon Huffman Polson writes in all genres, wrestling to find beauty, in a Broken World. Her poetry is published in Emerge Journal, War, Literature and the Arts, and The Wrath-Bearing Tree. Her essays appear in River Teeth, The Etnia Reader, Ruminate, and more. Her books include North of Hope, A Daughter's Arctic Journey, and The Grit Factor, Courage, Resilience, and Leadership and the most male-dominated organization in the world, published by Harvard Business Review Press in September 2020, and winner of the Axiom Business Book Award in 2021. Her writings about business and leadership have been featured in Business Insider, Psychology Today, Newsweek, and Forbes Magazine, among others. Shannon has also published a book of essays, The Way the Wild Gets Inside. She and her family currently live in France. I didn't tell Shannon I was going to quote from her website, but I was just floored when I first navigated it and gained more insights into her incredible work as an author and with her organization, The Grit Institute. Here's what you find on the homepage. Her name, Shannon Huffman-Polson, and then these words, keynote speaker, author, Optimist. Creative. Badass. Building leaders for a better world. Listeners, you're going to find out very quickly that she is every bit of each one of those words, and then some. As we get started with our conversation, we begin by talking about her poem, After the Bombs Fall, which is linked in our show notes. She wrote it after reading about the bombing of a maternity hospital in Ukraine, just 19 days into their war with Russia, and how that experience guided her creation of this piece, and why it feels important to her that this poem has an international audience.
1: So I am finding myself writing poems in response to things that I am reading and hearing about that are happening around the world. And that's kind of one of three areas that that my poetry is falling into right now. And so wrote after the bombs fall, after reading about the, the bombs that destroyed the hospital, that was the maternity hospital, and the number of both mothers and babies who, who were gone in that instance. And I have really been wrestling with how it is that we live in this world where all of these things are happening so far away and yet somehow we are so closely connected or should be or need to be so closely connected to this experience that is our common humanity. And I think that's really been what has made this important to to both write and to share after the bombs fall. And this idea that I believe that there is good Somehow has to be reconciled with a young mother starving to death and a father being gunned down or a child you know dying of some hugely preventable disease and I mean all of these things that are constant around us, which is this human suffering and and early extinguishing of life balanced again how we understand life to be so precious and and that concept is something that I wrestle with all the time and have been for a long time so I think that came in to join this reading of the article of this hospital that was bombed in Ukraine and wanting to respond to the event itself, but then letting those ideas come together. The idea of the bud came only after I started to write it. And I do always start my work in by handwriting. <laughs> okay. And then sometimes I might like play and edit with it typing as well. And then I'll usually change some of the um, way that the poem is laid out when I'm typing it and looking at the words that way. But yeah, the bud came about thinking about too how how much it is that the potential of life is so precious itself and and, and, in the bud of a flower, right? Or I remember after my father died relatively young in an accident and, how nothing mattered to me, like nothing on the news mattered to me, but, but getting the news of a baby being born was like the only thing that I cared about in the mail. <laughs> so just kind of wrestling with the preciousness of life itself and even the potential of life and and yet that being held in balance with this devastation that we're witnessing, at least on the news that people who share our common humanity are living right now every day. So I think those three elements came together at those different times, kind of one the primary concept two, the news piece itself, and then three, kind of pulling that together at the end really came about once the poem was underway.
0: When I hear you talking about some of that potential that exists within this, I think the lines that always strike me are this this one where you say, someone to lead a nation through a crisis, save a butterfly. And I, I find myself pausing at that pretty often, partially because my own father, he, he loves monarch butterflies. And... Uh, You know, and then, you know, there's, there's someone who smiles to each passerby each morning. It really kind of sets up that huge continuum of here's the potential for goodness and kindness in this world. It could be something as massive as someone who literally leads a cultural revolution in a nation. Or it could be someone who just decides I'm going to open my car window and allow this insect to fly out and enjoy its life rather than taking my hand and smashing it. Yes, And just those, those little tiny moments of kindness that we're capable of every single day. And there's always this potential for connection with the people that we share the world with and every element that we share this world with and to show that kindness. I think that it not only gives hope to what could be, and what's out there, but I think it also is a reminder to oneself to be that light, to be that source of kindness for someone else.
1: I love that. No, that's exactly right. I mean, I think that is, you know, life is the reason we have to believe in the goodness that is here, despite all news to the contrary, uh, is, um, is exactly those things, right? And it isn't necessarily about the grand events as much as it is about it all of it together right i mean all of it comes together to to form what is real and what is beautiful and what is possible and and i love how you you take that too to be inspiration to be part of that good
0: this is a poem that has already inspired thousands of our readers all over the globe and i told shannon that jason and i knew immediately that we needed it for issue 22 when we first read it as a submission. This is a piece that hits on both intellectual and emotional levels. It's one that really sticks with
1: us. Thank you, thank you. I think the other piece that I, I am hopeful for, and, and this is never to be a Pollyanna, and it's never to avoid the realities and, and this is what this poem is, is, I think I hope it does, is facing those, the horrors of what may be happening, which may have happened, which may be happening, and still ending with believing that that there is good in the world, right? Which which seems almost impossible to get our heads around, and, and comes down to this belief that there still is, that there's still something good, and I do believe that, but I find that I come across things all the time now that are really kind of sad and depressing with no hope, you know, like, that the climate's a mess and we're polarized and, and all of this is true. And there's these ter- there are wars and there's this threat of nuclear war. And, and these are terrible things, but that does not mean that there is not still good. I think that it's really important to face those realities head on and yet come back to this place of believing that we still move forward with goodness.
0: This message of seeking goodness and truly believing it exists comes through in the diction and the tone of Shannon's poem. And it is part of our resiliency as human beings, or as Shannon might call it in her award-winning book, Grit. Looking deep within ourselves to find that reservoir of positivity and goodness that can fill us and sustain us through the challenges we face in life.
1: Yes. For sure. And I think that is something that poetry and literature, actually, and art allows us to do is to to do that deeper interrogation and to continue to interrogate until you get to that place where you find that beauty again or the good again or that belief again. And sometimes that interrogation might take a really long time and it might be really difficult, but it's necessary.
0: I couldn't agree more. And it's right at the core of why we do what we do here at Sky Island Journal. We are so fortunate that Shannon found us, and I asked her why she thought Sky Island Journal might make a worthy home for after the bombs fall, and why she submitted it to us for issue twenty-two.
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> good! I think I found you just looking um, for poetry and for poetry journals or journals that would take it, and then I uh, obviously spent some time on your site, which is is beautifully put together, and I loved kind of the way that you present yourself as truly loving what it is that you are offering the world and pulling this work together. And it felt very authentic and very meaningful. And I will say that our interactions since then have been um, almost overwhelming. <laughs> how how good you make someone feel about submitting. So thank you. Um, but we also were in uh, Arizona last year, actually about this time, maybe a little bit later, and went kind of from south up to north. And there are sky islands, right, in, in Arizona that oh, they yeah. talked about with these different, ecosystems really throughout and I love I I immediately connected to your title after those memories of being in Arizona with those different areas that were so ecologically precious. So I think there's there's a connection there for sure.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny, my wife and I we lived in Tucson for three years while she was working on her doctorate and I worked for the university in their office of admissions. And so I was I was driving all over the state And there were so many times where here I was in the university fleet vehicle driving through Southern Arizona, through Patagonia and Bisbee and all of these beautiful, beautiful landscapes. I'm thinking to myself, I'm on the clock. I'm getting paid to (laughs) to experience this right now. This is pretty incredible. But whenever I would get free time, I would find myself going to the mountains and I'd read John Muir and I'd read John Krakauer and lots of other authors who talked about mountain climbing and being pulled into the mountains. And I've never been a let's get the ropes and tie off and try to scale a rock face kind of guy. But I do understand what they mean where I'd be driving in Arizona and I'd get to the base of a sky island and all I wanted to do was pull over my car. And just start hiking, and it's like it's like it pulls you in, and that's yes. it's, it's why Jason and I go back to New Mexico and spend time in parts of Arizona and parts of Utah and engage with the Sky Islands. They they literally call to us.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I was at Fort Huachuca for a year, and oh, it was one cool. of the best years of my life. Actually,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I love Sierra Vista.
1: It is amazing. And I loved it. I had some great classmates and everything. It was a a year of military intelligence training school. But we've got up in the mountains and I had never understood until then how beautiful the Arizona mountains were and how as soon as you come up into them, there's suddenly... They just open up in a way yes. that you cannot see from a distance. And, and there, was, there was actually a butterfly refuge right outside of Sierra Vista, speaking of butterflies. All kinds of just glens of different trees and, and things, again, you would never guess it if you just drove by. Yeah, just an exquisitely beautiful place.
0: I'll spare you the next 10 to 15 minutes of Shannon and I continuing to wax poetic about the wonders of the Sky Islands in the American Southwest. I just love them. Of course, Luna County of New Mexico was the spiritual home of Sky Island Journal, but I'll always have a special place in my heart and a deep appreciation for Southern Arizona as well, especially Cochise County. Speaking of appreciation, I'm so grateful that Shannon took the time to meet with me. Her work is literally changing lives, and I want to be sure that you know more about her projects and where you can find more of her work.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. My website is shannonpolson.com. And under uh, other writing, there are links to some other poems, as well as my first book, which is North of Hope. It's a memoir about Arctic Alaska. The second book is a little different than the poetry world, uh, The grip Factor. <laughs> um, but, but I hope uh, others will enjoy some of the essays and, and the poetry that is linked there as well.
0: Once again, that website is shannonpolson.com and it's easy to access in our show notes here. Seriously, go to its homepage, scroll down to the first video. It's a little over four minutes, and I promise it's worth every second. As we wrap up, I offer some final notes of thanks to Shannon. Well, Shannon, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you so very, very much for making time to do this. And thank you for sharing this poem with us. We are just so thrilled to be able to connect readers with it. So thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. It's an honor for sure. And I'm so grateful for our connection.
0: Listeners, thank you so much for joining me here at Voices from the Sky. I truly hope this piece and this conversation connected with you. In the next two episodes, I'll continue to feature brand new literary works that were just published in issue 22, Of Sky Island Journal, including some stunning flash fiction and creative nonfiction. Be sure to hear our next episodes and the conclusion of Season 2 by following us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get great podcasts. If you like what you've heard, please consider leaving a five-star review. It helps more people find this podcast, and more importantly, it helps more people find these incredible poets and writers who we admire so much here at Sky Island Journal. You can read this episode's featured piece, After the Bombs Fall, and all the incredible works of Issue 22, Fall 2022, for free at skyislandjournal.com. We hope you'll continue to join us in the months and years to come. Thanks again. And for now, please enjoy a reading of After the Bombs Fall, delivered by its original poet, Shannon Huffman-Polson.
1: After the bombs fall, new mothers exhausted from hours of labor cradling new babies disappeared from the hospital in ruins. After the tanks move through and secure the perimeters of the towns, the buildings collapse. The bullet goes astray, misses its target, and takes another. A grandmother cannot get her medicine. Her heart stops in the bomb shelter without food. The father never wakes. What happens to what and who had once been possible? Symphonies unwritten, music unplayed. Another tale of two cities or many towns, words and potential decimated, pulverized. Who might have been? another Gandhi, Rosa Parks, or Dorothy Day, someone to lead a nation through a crisis, save a butterfly, or someone who smiles to each passers-by each morning on the way to buy a loaf of bread. And to be fair, there might have been evil, too. Life doesn't come one-sided. Lives that were and still might have been snuffed out and extinguished like cigarettes ground into dirt. Life is what is and what can be and what could be. The reason babies are like little gods. The what might have been, what might be even more sacred than the what is here. The reason we hold a bud, even one that's plucked with such careful, wondering fingers. Wonder at the stickiness that one day will let go. All possibility, what comes to pass and what does not What is realized and what is strangled? All that good, that loveliness. It lives. It lives on. Still, it lives on. Believe it.